Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it is hip to be square. Is there something strange in your podcast app? Then you know who to call. It's Ghostbusters on Normies Like Us. Each of us is wearing an unlicensed nuclear accelerator on his back. That's great actual physical contact. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Is this true? Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. Welcome back to Normies Like Us on a very special paranormal episode of our Summer of Fun. We're talking about the blockbuster comedy franchise, a first for us, that uh, goes beyond our world. We're talking Ghostbusters, and uh, let's introduce your hosts here. Let's power these up. Colin! Michael! Joe! Jacob! Ah, hey, uh, there we go. Right, what go. is going on, my hey. Ghostbuster boys? Don't cross the streams on this one, boys. Up, just busting <laughs> over here. Just, just <laughs> feeling good. Feel good. Feeling good about the pod. Feel good, normies. Yeah, how you guys um, doing? Y'all busting? Y'all feeling doing good? Pretty today? good. Doing pretty good. Uh, happy to be talking Ghostbusters today. It's an interesting movie. Uh, you know, we always do the question up top. Ghostbusters, it's uh, it's like I said, it's kind of our first comedy blockbuster we're doing. Is it one of your favorites? The others you throw out there are like Caddyshack, some contemporaries of time, a lot of Bill Murray stuff. True, a lot of Bill Murray. This is like, there's a lot of good Bill Murray in this. We'll jump into it. Of this time, this is definitely one of the tops. I also, you know, like Blues Brothers is good, but I think this has kind of edges it out in its own way. Ooh, but, that's um, a good pick, though. Yeah, definitely one of the best. Excited to talk oh, yeah. about it. This movie is like a, a comfort food to me. I mean, I would put it right up there with Indiana Jones, Star Wars, and Back to the Future as the movies I rewatched nonstop as a child. So yeah, this one's uh, pretty near and dear, man. I, lo- I love the Ghostbusters franchise. Yeah, for me, um, I'm not really a big Ghostbusters guy, but you know, like I can, I couldn't really. Um, recall that much about the actual movies uh, i saw them when i was younger but just didn't remember them that well and then i rewatched them and you know what not bad pretty good so um maybe i was wrong about the ghostbusters Ooh, not bad pretty good take. that's exciting i'm <laughs> in the early jacob camp these kind of were not big deals to me to tell you how bad of a ghostbusters fan i am i think the second one's the best and i'm pretty sure it's the only one i had on vhs growing up so it was the only one i kind of had a chance to rewatch over and over but i think i this I, this time how about this guy? Yeah, I like. I listened to our Sorry. last episode where uh, there was a lot of talk about like what an audience expectations are when we were talking Marvel, Spider Man, where it was almost like the audience is so smart, you kind of have to think about that and know that now when you're making a movie. When you look at this film, like, it's not even that the audience is smart. What are they buying into? This is one of the weirdest, wackiest concepts of all time, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I was it's gonna... pretty high concept for uh, a slapstick comedy. Um, I mean, I love the, the the debate of like, does this belong in the same kind of category as like Caddyshack or Animal House? Because it's really not. I mean, it's 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 supernatural. There's there's spooky elements to it. It is first and foremost a comedy, but those other elements, I don't know. It just kind of puts it into. Uh, one of the earliest genre bends that I had experience with as a kid. Yeah, like you just said, the genre bends. You look at our Shaun of the Deads that we have nowadays and things like that. 
Um, this is kind of the forerunner to all those. And it, it's coming from like a genuine place because, you know, Dan Aykroyd, obviously, a lot of people know he's like obsessed with the paranormal and aliens and that kind of thing. So like he's kind of pouring, bringing that to it along with the comedic timings of Bill Murray and Harold Ramis. And it's like mixing those together. It's almost like a happy accident that it turned out the way it did. But it is kind of its own animal because of that. Yeah, first of all, I was going to say, Colin, I agree with you about Ghostbusters 2. There's certain things that I like better than the first one. But also, um, going off what you said, Mike, I what I think really makes it work for me is the mix of personalities. You have the Dan Aykroyd, who's like super serious about the paranormal aspect of it. Then you have Bill Murray, who doesn't you know, he doesn't care at all about that stuff. He's just there to like make quips and hit on Sigourney Weaver, basically. So I think that really, and then you have Harold Ramis, who's also the scientist. So I think with the mix of those personalities, that's really what makes this film work to me, at least. And it's so interesting it that this is Ninja Turtles uh, work. A, a cast that wasn't the first choice, right? I mean, we'll get into the the history of Ghostbusters, but all of the the uh, mystique around it really was a happy accident. Like this is not the the Ghostbusters movie we were supposed to get originally. And I wonder if the original version would have had that same uh, charm that makes it so timeless that the, the version we got does have. And they're still making them now or trying to make them. And one of them did get delayed uh, to 2021. And we'll probably talk about that a bit later, but yeah, franchise status secured Uh, again, talking all the blockbusters this summer. And this is certainly amongst them. And it's a, Gonna be good, Colin. Any thoughts on the the Ghostbusters in general? Some are fun, normies. Uh, I like what Joe just said. You know, not to leak ahead and say one of those actors that was a choice for these, but to look at an Eddie Murphy film that's like this, Golden Child, which does not hold up. I mean, it's just absolute garbage, and has sort of like the same chemistry of like bad special effects and like fun and stuff. Like, there's a reason Ghostbusters works, right, guys? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it comes down to those personalities involved and um, just kind of the vision they had for the movie and where Dan Aykroyd... um, By the way, Dan Aykroyd, there's a really funny uh, interview where he's... They're asking about, like, you know, do you let your kids watch this movie and stuff? And he's like, yeah, you know, I I let them watch. And then they ask me, like, you know, Dad, are ghosts real? And I can't lie to them, so I have to say, yeah, of course they're real. Uh, You know, I can't just say (laughs) they're in a movie. So... Um, yeah, Dan Aykroyd, I think he's he's pretty uh, interesting, some should, interesting views, I mean, but I, I really like well, it. Well, should we say, oh. Jacob, the real force behind this movie and maybe the movies that we loved growing up is cocaine? Like, there was, like, <laughs> yeah. you almost say, like, it is the secret sauce to making a good movie. The fact that he could sit down and almost write a 400-page screenplay where he's explaining to you what a Ghostbuster is into so much detail. And you go, buddy, I don't know what the words ghost and buster have to do with each other. <laughs> Right, which is kind of the the you know what Bill Murray brings to it then because I mean even his character in the movie like he can give two shits about his job um, and then you just have you know um, Dan Aykroyd and Hale Ramis taking the science part of it super seriously and I just think that mix of personalities really makes the team gel and work together and also having Ernie Hudson as well so good yeah stuff. I mean that's definitely the the secret sauce or secret slime as it were nice. All right, well, I'm getting a, uh, a reading on my EVP right now saying that it's time to jump right in there and talk some Ghostbusters. Uh, let's go ahead and do it. Uh, I'll pull around the, uh, the Buster Mobile. I don't know if it has an official Ooh, name. The Echo, Echo one. 1. Guys, oh, The Echo right. 1 is on it's the license. It's Ghostbuster player. time. Let's get Buster into Mobile. it. Buster Mobile. Let's bust. Yeah, we, we'll talk about the Ecto-1, the Ecto-2, the Ecto-3. All of this is real and canon. Let's, let's dive in. Let's 
it's an extra special edition of Normie's like that. We are the podcast keeper. We seek you, the listeners. Welcome back to Normies Like Us. We're talking Ghostbusters. Starting at the beginning, we're talking Ghostbusters 1. And uh, like I said, guys, we ain't scaring out ghosts on this podcast, is we? Mike? No. There is no Normies. There's only Zool. <laughs> we, we is not. Um, we we kind of talked about it at the beginning. I, I really think the perfect place to start mm-hmm. talking about Ghostbusters is with what a maniac Dan Aykroyd truly is and yes. his <laughs> family's connection to the paranormal. I mean, this guy's I love it, though. entire life <laughs> has been essentially dedicated to comedy and the paranormal. Like his family, I think he's like third generation being involved in this stuff. His dad or grandfather, one of the two, like literally wrote the book on the paranormal. So it really is destiny that he would come up with an epic series about blue collar ghostbusters. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like allegedly he owned a house that the ghost of Mama Cass was or something, you know, some pop star's ghost live in his house and like you know, I'm I'm an owner of the Crystal Skull Vodka, which was, you know, obviously influenced by the Crystal Skull alien myths. Go back and listen I to was about to say, Indiana Mike, Jones, right? I, I have that. Um, you but. are sitting in a dark room. You've got a smoking <laughs> cigarette lit. You've got a glass of Crystal Skull next to you with the Crystal Skull pointed out at us. Uh, you're ready to talk Ghostbusters, my friend. Yeah, and I, I'm already drafted a letter just in case that my kids in the future will know that ghosts are real. I will never lie to them. Uh, but yeah, he wrote a 300-page script about Ghostbusters, like, in the future. Like, it is really Dan Aykroyd bringing that kind of almost authenticity and earnestness to the way, especially the Ray character, treats the ghosts and the ghost hunting. And I think that's a, a really great. Yeah, and I think you can see that in some of the detail of the um, kind of the mythos of everything with Zool and Gozer. And, like, there's a really complex backstory that only kind of even gets touched on in the movie. But you can tell that there's, like, they thought about, like, at least Dan Aykroyd thought about a lot of this stuff and, like, how the, you know, proton packs work and all this stuff. Like, And another thing I appreciate about the Ghostbusters is, unlike, you know, most, like, horror things like Paranormal, usually... Like with Evil Dead or something, like to stop the paranormal, you have to use paranormal. Like you have to read from the Necronomicon or something like that, mm-hmm. right? In this one, they're all just using they're just using science, right? It's like science versus paranormal, and so yeah, I like that aspect strings. of it. Yeah, um, so I appreciate like that. that. As I'm not a big paranormal guy, I'm more into like aliens and and that kind of thing. Um, so I can get behind the more science based approach. I think. Well, the good news there is you would still get along with Dan Aykroyd then. I mean, I I get what you're saying, Jacob, and I totally agree with that. And I think Evil Dead is another thing that, like, really kind of coincides here because these are two franchises I adore now and I loved as a kid. Um, And they both kind of have a language that they develop so quickly in canon, like the Kandarian demons and the mechanics of ghost traps and and proton packs. It just kind of feels so natural even though it is so supernatural like the way they build out these worlds is so impressive to me absolutely colin what are your thoughts on the old Aykroyd and the uh, his mania and madness and his performance even 
Mike, do you think there's a little bit of uh, therapy that we're almost not talking about? The fact that after the Blues Brothers, where he watches his best friend do drugs to death, and he participates in that, he makes this ensemble film about battling your demons and the spirit world and dead people. I'm, I'm kind of digging that right now. Wow, that's actually pretty deep, too. And also being from SNL and that being based in New York, I think the script was like in space. So it's like, all right, we're in New York kind of battling our demons. That, there is some parallels there. And I never even thought of that. I think that's an interesting insight, Colin. Right. And of course, um, you know, originally this movie was supposed to, it was written to star Belushi with, with Aykroyd, but obviously um, Eddie Murphy died. So, and Eddie Murphy, yeah. So they... So I think they rewrote the the Bill Murray part, which was was originally John Belushi, right? Mm. We should totally touch the cast. We should, I think, you know, even before we do the movie, yeah, just go through each of them and be like, what do we love about this? Can I throw it out to you, though? Is this the ugliest cast of people ever collected into a movie? <laughs> I think Bill Murray is oh. the ugliest man who has ever existed. It's astounding. Think- it truly is astounding. I think there was a cer- there's only a certain era in which Bill Murray was considered like a ladies man, like he's the ladies man of this movie, um which I think he gets by a lot on his, you know, his quips and his charm, but um he's got a, you know, he's got a unique look, I guess you could say. They they all get by on their charm. I mean, it really is like it's a it's a cast of like blue collar people and they very much look like it. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I kind of like that there's a a certain <laughs> edge to the the appearance of the cast. They're losers. Even how they dress joe like the the way that i would say where i go like again i keep bringing it up jaws felt so old the aesthetic the look when i was watching this one and they're walking around like inside new york public libraries and stuff in trench coats everything does look old i'm going no they're just losers and nerds it still looks contemporary they look like hipsters yeah they're, decidedly, they're just schlubby yeah they're so blue collar right it's like they're, they're literally exterminators but it's not you know spiders it's ghosts like they're so blue collar and honestly yeah like right Winston is the the best looking of all of them, but to have your your ladies Very man true. be Bill Murray is just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean that's kind of you know another aspect I like is the blue collarness and like the the joke is kind of like their their job is to catch ghosts, but they all take it so like blasé and they're just like oh yeah it's just you know it's a day job you know it's a living and I, I like that aspect of it as well. And the, the ensemble nature, like everybody, like you alluded to in the intro, like. Everyone has a role where Egon's kind of in it for the science. Um, Dan Aykroyd, you know, Ray is taking it very seriously. Winston is like, if it pays, I'll do it. Um, and then there's three things. The, the driest three things in the universe are the Sahara Desert, uh, saltine crackers on a hot day, and then Bill Murray's delivery in this film. It's the, the <laughs> driest thing known to mankind, and it really works the way he's like, just doesn't give a shit about ghosts. He's not. Oh impressed. my god! What? That's what's your fridge. Yeah, There's junk food. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I that's what I love about this is that like, um, sorry, yeah, like no, no, go for it. Bill Murray. Not only you know does does Peter Venkman not care about ghosts, but I don't think Bill Murray cares about ghosts at all. Like he, uh, he doesn't kind care of, about Ghostbusters, Jacob. <laughs> no, no, he, no, he was he kind of convinced to do this present. movie, and then they're just like, kind of you know, just do your thing and. Um, you know, I think probably a lot of his ad libs made made the final movie. Um, oh, and it's the story there, like they they didn't know until they started shooting whether Bill Murray was actually going to show up or not. Like he oh, had right, been yeah. so non-committal to the entire project that they really had no idea how it was going to go. And it's again happy accident. Somehow, he, one he showed up, and two just 
maybe a little bit of life to art, but laid in one of the funniest performances ever. Some of these line reads are just incredible. Yeah. We laughed around him a bit. Do you guys like Vankman? Peter Vankman, he's um, he's got kind of a through line with like a cable TV motif. He's a, he's just a grifter, <laughs> right? Yeah, 100%. I, yeah, I kind of feel like um, Peter Vankman, the character, like he's not very good at his job, really. <laughs> I mean, he's more really concerned with just kind of getting with Sigourney Weaver than he is with any kind of paranormal things. Like, um, seems like maybe he shouldn't be a Ghostbuster. <laughs> Just based on the level of commitment he gives to his work. He should Uh, be the marketing executive of the Ghostbusters. He should be in charge of merchandising, like the speech he gives about franchise opportunities. You do have to love it because he's kind of on the mark. He really hit what the movie was. Yeah, it's true. And like even, you know, in college, he's just kind of scamming that one guy doing the psychic tests just to kind of get that student or that volunteer. And then he's the one who's like, oh, you know, this happened for a reason. We're going to start a business and then convinces Ray to get a third mortgage on his parents' house. Like, it's all kind of his Everyone's got one. I just don't want a regular job. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So he's, you know, he's the spokesperson. He's the the voice of the group. And then Dan Aykroyd's kind of like the heart. And, um, you know, Harold Ramis is the the brain. And Winston shows up sometimes. (laughs) That's what, yeah. Criminal underused. Yeah, he's better. I mean, he's more used in the second one, but he kind of just shows up in the first one, and they're just like, "Oh, we need another person." And he's like, "All right, you're hired." So I, I was kind of taken by surprise about how little he's given to do in the first movie. But if Eddie, Murphy I mean, that was, was something in the yeah, that, that was something in the production of the movie is Winston was going to be Eddie Murphy. It was going to be a way beefier role, mm-hmm. um, and like originally, Winston shows up. I think like 30 pages sooner than he ends up showing up in the final product. And that was something that Ernie Hudson was like, Hey man, what gives? I I thought I was going to be more in this movie than I was, but I don't know. I mean, I think it's perfect to kind of have like, Oh, we need another guy. Like let's just hire another guy. And he's like, yeah, I mean, I needed a job. Like, you, you know, not every job is like your, your end all be all, you know? In, in a weird way, too, yeah, it is very, like, American dream, this story of, like, starting a business and then growing it, and then now we need to hire, like, a secretary, and we need an extra guy, you know, it's like, it has this weird, Annie like, Potts. yeah, how do we get a stable, and I love, I love her, too, she's great. Jean, yeah, come to, on. Yep. Yeah, and actually, to go off what you're saying, Mike, um, I think what this movie really is, and um, I think, you know, this is actually a thing, it's not just me saying this, but, like, um, this movie is very pro- uh, it's it's anti-government. It's pro-libertarian. Or these two Whoa. movies. It is very like you could see yeah. you could see the love of of paranormal and the hatred of bureaucracy in these movies. Yes, yes. <laughs> the and, die-hard and, and, guy. He works for the eco right, EPA. and they're like, hey, yeah, stop the EPA the mayor. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's the right. EPA. That's great. Dude. So so think about this. <laughs> yeah, true. The, the three this man main characters, no right? Dick. They lose their um, you know, their gov- their they lose their job at uh you know a public school public uh, college and so they decide to go in the private sector and then they're harassed by these government bureaucracies like the epa agent and then the second one um they're even brought to court over this stuff um and i was thinking about this and then i read into it and actually like um not only uh isaac reitman and harold ramus are apparently very like like libertarian in their in their political views, so it's not something I 100% agree with in, in ideology, but I think it's very interesting because I do agree with the anti bureaucracy parts of it. Yeah. Um, 
Does it kind of also go hand in hand that the other unspoken member of the team that we haven't brought up, Rick Moranis, uh, the biggest member is a lawyer to defend their rights that the government would try <laughs> to squash. That's so yeah, fucking very bad funny, lawyer. Jacob. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I was kind of thinking when I was watching Ghostbusters 2, I was like, why did they hire Rick Moranis to be their lawyer? He's really bad, but <laughs> um, they needed something for him to do in the second I think that movie. role, too, was going to be a John Candy role, or am I, am I wrong? It here? was. That was going to be John Candy, and it was going to be played much, much differently. Um, and then Rick came in and read for it, and they just loved his take. So they ended up going with uh, Rick Moranis. And I think there's some... Yeah, there's. I think there's some political commentary there too with uh, Rick Moranis. He when he has his party, he's you know talking about all these brands it's like and, and tax law stuff too. that he's having. Yeah, he's and then but then when he gets caught by by Zool or the gatekeeper or whatever, he's actually at a, like a um, country club, like banging on the window, like trying to get in. I feel like there's something there, but I'm not sure what it is exactly. Yeah, I um, mean the the haven't drank it up skull like. vodka, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got their skull vodka. Yeah, there are interesting themes like with, which what on the surface looks like, you know, a cocaine fueled we're shooting ghost movie. It does have these kind of subplots of like growing a business, anti bureaucracy, the red tape that comes with you have to overcome to even become stable, hiring people. It's it, it is an interesting thing, and at the end of the day, it's it's kind of a human story with this fantastical element, and I think that's what works the best for yeah. me. Exactly. But yeah, I love, uh, you know, Annie Potts was great. Uh, Scorny Weaver is great in this. Rick Moran is very funny. Babe of the century, Sigourney Weaver. Interesting <laughs> yeah. to have a sci-fi versus a fantasy role that she's so huge in and uh, pretty unnecessary for the sequel, I felt, but uh, I'm always happy to see her. Yeah, she's uh, she's the center of the vortex of paranormal in this, uh, these first two films, at least somehow she's got the worst luck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But she's, yeah, I guess I think that's, yeah. To get into Ghostbusters two, I think a big problem with that movie. And there are some things that I liked was kind of just rehashing certain elements from the first movie, like, you know, bringing Scorny Weaver back, having her be like, not her get possessed, but her baby almost gets possessed. And then, um, you know, there are a bunch of different elements that just kind of um, they don't they don't do enough to they don't do bring enough originality to the second one. I don't There's think it's maybe a little bit of sequelitis, but I think maybe we could talk a little bit more about the first one. But I agree that, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of retreading. But I'm also kind of on Colin's side that I do like the second one. Um, what do we think, you know, where that is? Yeah, I mean, because this has a really great like kind of progression too. It's like a slow build, almost maybe too slow, where the f- like the final villain shows up literally at, in the last ten minutes. But it starts off with just some books flying around, and then we slowly kind of get more action, and then uh, culminates into like the big New York threat with a sky laser, so to speak. Yeah, I felt like you know when I first was watching it, I was like, not I wasn't getting too interested. I was like, this kind of you know. It's a little slow moving, but it definitely picks up in the second half, I think, with once um, Sigourney Weaver gets possessed by Zool, I think that's kind of where the where it picks up. Um, I also thought kind of the just whole origin of like their company, everything is very interesting because the, the funny thing about this movie is that they kind of just accept that ghosts are real, like at the very beginning of the movie. And then no one ever really questions it other than like, you know, some minor background characters. But they're all just like, yeah, we know ghosts are real. Um but like everyone's just treating us like shit anyways, because, um, you know, we're just, we're these blue collar guys just trying to make ends meet and stuff. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think my my whole favorite my favorite part of either of the movies is is the first time they encounter Slimer and the Slimer takedown. Like, I think that really hits the the blue collar aspect of it. These, you know, someone saw a roach on six. Like, like they are clearly exterminators in this hoity-toity hotel, and and they have so many like classic back and forths there, and that that takes place relatively early in the movie. Like, I don't really, I don't know, the plot of Ghostbusters is less important to me than the vibe. Mm. Would you have the courage to step out of an elevator, Joe, with something nuclear powered on your back? Yeah, if 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 someone who had like you know as many degrees as Egon had told me it was like maybe safe, I'd be like, okay, well maybe I'll do it. What's great, buddies? You know, they fire up that proton pack and you hear it humming up for the first time, and then like they back up against the wall, like like that's going to help with the nuclear. But even they're kind of nervous about it. Like little moments like that are that all deadpan scene. And the the framing of that, Mike, with the no smoking above them, and they know that they might just fucking blow up the entire building. Gorgeous. And then that becomes a part of their logo. They don't explain it, but, you know. that uh, Don't cross the streams. <laughs> until it's necessary to cross the streams. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Even the first encounter with the ghost, like, come here, let me talk to you for a second. And they just calmly go around the corner. And maybe someone should yeah. talk to it. <laughs> you know, and just, Get her. That was your plan. <laughs> Get her. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's I, don't, I don't know, stuff. man. Like, these... I, I don't even think of them as two separate movies, to be honest. Like, I just mm. think of Ghostbusters, and that encompasses, you know, the movies, the cartoon. Like, like all of it just blends together to me in, like, such childhood nostalgia. Motherfuckers, were you toy guys? Now, the Birch Knolls, my neighbors and best friends growing up, Joe, had a proton pack. And not the throwy trap thing, but Mike, what the fuck did you call it at the beginning? The spectral analysis thing? What, what the hell is it with the with the spinning? It's an uh, EKP meter. He said yeah. EKP, but it's oh, an gotcha. EKG meter. Cheapest plastic piece of shit you've ever seen. Solid blue, a sticker on the top. It had like a windy thing. Oh, yeah. I, I fucking wanted it so bad, even though the I didn't EKG like Ghostbusters. Meter. Yeah, come on. They were like toys that fit us. You know, we didn't have stuff like that. You know, you couldn't just buy a Darth Vader costume when we were kids. No, these these are some of the most iconic toys of all time. Like the the firehouse is like was one of my all time favorite toys, and still like even to get like the right door on eBay is like fifty bucks. The left door is like fifty bucks. I mean, oh, wow. you had. The Ecto-1, but then they introduced stuff like the Ecto-2, 3, 4, which were just like other silly vehicles that they would use. one a dumb boat, Joe. Uh, Yes, there was a boat. There was like like a silly helicopter. There was like a dragster car. I mean, I I loved all of this stuff. You can – there are literally books that have all of the the different series laid out and stuff like that. Like the the real Ghostbusters was such – a trip. And that's something that I think's, you know, worth worth talking about. The the name of the movie was up in a, up in the air for a very long time because there is the Ghostbusters which had like a talking monkey and was mm-hmm. in a pre-existing cartoon and franchise from the 60s. That. Yeah, so oh. they didn't know that it was going to be Ghostbusters until they could secure those rights. So like they're not chanting Ghostbusters when people are chanting Ghostbusters. Like they had to film that two different ways um, because they didn't know if they were going to be able to name the movie that or not. And that's why the cartoon is called 
the real Ghostbusters and not just Ghostbusters. Because there was then the company that owned the rights. What is this Funimation? Or yep, I believe. And so they made their own cartoon after the Ghostbusters movie called wow. Ghostbusters. So then the actual Ghostbusters movie people took it to Deke and then had to call it the real Ghostbusters to differentiate it. It was this whole thing, right? Yeah, exactly. And then that's why, like, we have. I mean, I like my my first lunchbox was a real go, the real Ghostbusters oh lunchbox. That's oh, like I these were. Can see it in my mind right now, Joe. <laughs> oh, these were the the toys of my childhood. Just like right up there with with uh, the DC superpowers line and like the Kenner Star Wars stuff. Like these these were, uh, you know, the toys that made us be. To be frank. Nice. Yeah. Like my cousins, they had the ghost trap that, you know, flipped open. So between you, me and so Colin's cool. neighbors, we probably had the whole line. <laughs> you could probably put <laughs> it together. Let me ask Join you forces. this, my Stranger Things boys. Uh, did yeah. you guys ever dress up Halloween style? I did not because I did kind of get into the movies later. I was aware of the periphery, you know, and like Slimer. He, you know, he was kind of more of a big deal outside of the movies um, than even in the movie. But I was yeah. not really a Ghostbusters fan boy to like later when i could appreciate the subtlety of the comedy i never dressed up as a regular ghostbuster but i did dress up as eduardo from the extreme ghostbusters oh, no, that cartoon. better not be the guy in the wheelchair you're canceled Jeff. <laughs> no the guy uh, in the wheelchair is also max from uh goofy movie um uh, he's the uh i think he's puerto rican or colombian one of the two he's like the guy who's he's the bill murray of the the show uh you know he, he's always saying i'm a scientist but i had like yeah i was him one halloween oh and then my, my brother God. made uh he made a really great looking proton pack out of just like duct tape and a regular backpack and reflector lights and you know threw something together that was pretty cool looking oh i love just even in the movie i love the prop design too like it's really iconic, just like a weird boiler suit backpack with a hose and this wand, right? I mean, it, and to have a toy of that, even though I wasn't a huge fan of the movies, I was like, that's sick, and I, I want it. It is iconic, Mike, but like you said, it's almost kind of like Slimer was more the focus than anything. It wasn't so much that I had the merchandise. I had the food. Like, Jacob, did you drink Ecto Cooler? <laughs> Were you down with yeah, like, yeah. the Ghostbusters foods? <laughs> yeah, I did. And the thing about Slimer that I think is interesting, so re-watching Ghostbusters 1 the other day, mm -hmm. um, I was like, he's really not like even a character or anything. He's just like barely in the movie. So he I think even the, have a name. Yeah, but the no. marketing of Ghostbuster, you know, you see Slimer everywhere. So I guess I think he must Genius. have become more popular after the first movie came out, and then he was kind of accentuated more in the cartoon and stuff. Um, yeah, but he's yeah, like I their drank... sidekick in the cartoon. Mm. Like he's yeah. just kind of hanging around the firehouse. Yeah, but Ecto Coolers, I remember those, drinking those when I was a kid, and I didn't even Twinkies really know what Twinkies with the green was. slime inside. Yeah. Oh yeah, the stuff. Old Twinkies. <laughs> Man, I forgot all about Ecto Cooler. Like that is the jam. Right. Ghostbusters oh, yeah. has a taste that you can palpably taste in your mouth. What other movies? Like Mike, yes. there's not a Beastmaster line of Dr. Pib that we all drank. <laughs> no, but Spider-Man has a taste and it's the 23 flavors of Dr. Pepper. Uh, other than that, I can't even <laughs> yeah. a single <laughs> a single one. Um yeah, I, I and back to the Twinkies, right? Like, there's product placement in, in all movies, but th there's some good stuff here where it's just like, 
the, imagine this Twinkie is all the ghosts we could store. Now imagine one that's, you know, 13 whatever miles long and, and weighs two tons. And then that's a big Twinkie. Then dude walks in there. Why don't you tell him about the Twinkie? Would you <laughs> guys eat a yeah. Stay Puffed? I would for sure. Oh yeah, oh, the Stay Puff Marshmallow. We got to talk about Stay Puff Marshmallow, I, I, guys. I would eat the goop that was just burning on the side of a car after he's defeated. <laughs> I would be like, "Well, I don't know. Like that, this that might turn fluff. me into a superhero." <laughs> just running out with graham crackers. <laughs> yeah, like, I'd, I'd be worried about him like coming to life in your stomach. They should have done that. Right. They should have done some dumb. Kid That's how you set up the s'mores yeah. made off of Stay Puffed. But yeah, the the whole idea that it's like choose the form of the destructor, and then like I I didn't think anything. You didn't think anything. What's going? You know, and it's like it just popped I just in tried my to head. Think of the, Couldn't <laughs> help it. Thought about trips with my dad. <laughs> the most harmless <laughs> thing I could think of, and it's like, yeah. what a ridiculous ending. And like I love the kaiju aspect too of like doing that kind of Godzilla with the miniatures and the guy in the suit. Like I love the effects on this, the rotoscoping for the beams. It's super cool. Yeah, and then of course they have to the, uh, one-up it in the sequel and have the giant Statue of Liberty come to life, but, but she's fighting on the good side. Let's go higher and higher. Yeah, let's go. Let's talk Ghostbusters too. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Makes you wonder, is she wearing anything under there? She is French. Yeah, she's French. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, like, I I don't know, man. I don't even think of these as as independent movies. To me, they just bleed together and like, yeah, that's three and a half hours of live action I love and like 10 to 12 hours of animation. Yeah, and let's just roll with it. Yeah, because that's a great way to start this off, Joe. It's like, even the movie opens and it's just five years later. Here, here's the shit that's happening. And yeah. it's like, they, they really do just roll yeah. perfectly into one another. You just do a double feature every time. I love the, 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 the fucking He-Man bit, too. Oh, because back it's to the like, toys. I think of that all the time. Which, that's it's like Jason Reitman call. is the, um, fun fact, the one kid in that party scene is Jason Reitman. You're son kidding. Of oh, he's really? going to be directing. I didn't know that. Well, he did fun. Juno, and now he's doing uh, Afterlife. Yeah. Very cool. But yeah, tell me about that's this right. He-Man bit, Joe. I just I I love you know every, everyone knows the beginning where they're, mm-hmm. they're I love the idea that the Ghostbusters are washed up like five years ago I saved your city and now I got to do kids parties to make ends meet it'd be like if Doctor Strange was like showing up to bar mitzvahs you know what I mean like, it's very uh, it's so funny it's very pizza time you, you yeah know? and they don't uh, even care they just want he man and I love that phone call too it's like uh, how many are there. 14 like how big you think they're talking about ghosts and it's just the the kids that she's describing and then i guess there was two like you know he-man uh which was i think funimation was selling a bunch of toys too so there's this kind of war between toy sales so i wonder if the he-man was kind of a reference to like uh yeah you know you and your little cartoon i'm curious mattel made he-man yeah probably there probably were some some back backhand fights there that kid is like we wanted he-man it's like no one gives a shit (laughs) No, you get um, Ghostbusters. 
Yeah, but so speaking of the second movie, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting because when this movie came out, it was not as well received as the first one. Um, a lot of people saw it, I guess, as a sort of cash-in, um, unnecessary sequel. And this was kind of starting when sequels were getting more popular and a lot of people, you know, a lot of critics were saying what they're even saying still today, which like, the, oh, no, everything's a sequel now. You know, you had... Um, Last Crusade come out uh, this same year, 1989. Um, and so it's interesting, you know, the, the state of Hollywood at that time. Um, but I think mainly this movie holds up uh, about as well as the first one. And there's some things I like better than the first one, um, like the overall ghost plot, like the mythology, like with Vigo the Carpathian. I mean, he's okay, but I think what's really interesting to me is the idea of the slime that like reacts to emotions and stuff. I think that's a really cool idea. And I like that they do more like actual work, like ghost busting yeah. in this movie than they really did in the first one. It's world building. Jacob, I'm so with you. You say Vigo's not the coolest part. That I disagree with because he is such an interesting face. And the reason I think the second one works better for me is it's got something I can put my energy towards that is the antagonist. Like you said, yeah. like his plot is cool and all the elements that he uses, the hatred of the city, um, you know, all that fucking good stuff. I remember as a kid just being very confused by Zool and the dogs and the stuff in the first and one. And the polygon right. count on those statues I don't know what so this low. is. <laughs> those gargoyles, I wonder if they inspired the Disney cartoon, because they look... Uh, oh, it's Harry House, or Ray, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it's those skeletons, baby. It's Yeah, Sinbad. some it's of those bad. effects doesn't hold up. But if you think about that's you know, that year is when Temple of Doom came out, so some of those effects don't look as good. But then, you know, 1989 is a little bit later, the effects are mm-hmm. better. Um, but some people just thought it felt too forced and also kind of the humor was kind of kitted up a little bit more family friendly this time. Yeah. I mean, and there's oh. stories that Bill Murray wasn't super stoked on doing this one. I still think he does a fine That's job, right. but, uh, to like the, you know, the, the cash grabbing note. I mean, I think this movie was aware of that too, because there's a scene where Harold Ramis, Egon is just like. And you can get the Ghostbusters thermal beverage container and balloons for the kids. Like, they're literally doing commercials yeah. to hawk right. Ghostbusters shit in-universe. So I am totally, you know. Yeah, I like that, too. It's kind of a commentary on that. It's very Spaceballs, you know. Yeah. Ah. And the thing with Bill Murray, I mean, he's a very interesting guy, obviously. Um, very eccentric. And um, But his early career was interesting because he was in a bunch of movies like, you know, Meatballs and, and Stripes and everything and, and Ghostbusters in the early 80s. And then he made he directed a movie called The Razor's Edge and mm-hmm. it was a big flop. And it was like his first time directing. He's like his first dramatic role. and It was a huge flop. And he took a break from Hollywood for like four or five years. Didn't make a movie between 84 and uh like 88 when he made Scrooge, which was his first movie mm-hmm. back. And then he did Ghostbusters too. So I think it's very Five interesting. years later though. Yeah. Just so like the, in the height of his popularity, I mean, you know, coming off of SNL and then doing all these, these comedies, Caddyshack and everything as well. Um, just to take a break in the middle of that and then come back and people still love him. And he has a career resurgence, um, in the 90s and on. So very interesting uh, career to look at. Yeah, and, and I think he still does a great job in this, regardless of like whether his heart was in it. I like his character arc. I like the little stuff where it's like, oh, the baby's tired. I should put him down. Hey, let me try. And he just talks shit to the baby because that's like the gag. But it's like <laughs> yeah. he's like being like a cool uncle. Yeah. Uh, I like his arc of kind of becoming more of like a father figure and like more responsible with Dana, uh, which in the first movie, yeah. he's just kind of chasing her, and you know, uh, so there's stuff, and even just is it mine? 
No. But then he says to the kid, no one else is in the room. You could have been my kid, you know? And there's, there's some Totally. And stuff. I like how they kind of, yeah, they set up like, you know, him and Dana got together at the end of the first one, but then it didn't work out. She got married to someone else and now she has this kid and he's like trying to get, you know, back with her. So I appreciate that he's kind of maturing and being kind of forced to, to grow up in a certain way. Oh, I don't know about that, guys. I appreciate <laughs> that it really depicts an actual scumbag who is like digging up his ex-girlfriend and like hitting yeah, on her when sure, she yeah. has like moved on to a weirder. I, I really relate to Peter Beckman. Well, thank God yeah, that he's, yeah, she's trying to get his life together, and she he's just ready to like drag her back in. I love Venkman. Venkman's like one of my favorite movie characters of all time. Yeah, uh, but it's not because he's like such a noble guy. I mean, he has a like a true you know scum rat feel to yeah. him, like like they true. say Han Solo does. Yeah, he really is kind of like a bit of a. He's very selfish, kind of a shit heel. Doesn't really care, but he's a great character and. Just seeing him take yeah. at least some baby steps where he's like, look at all the support. If I had this 24-7, I could get my life together by the end of the century. You know, it's like <laughs> if everyone made it easy for me, I could totally do it. Yeah. Well, that's what I was saying about like him in the first movie. Like he literally has one thing on his mind and that's trying to get with Sigourney Weaver. And that's it. Like the whole movie. And, you know, I appreciate that level of, you know, that that level of uh, scumbaggery. But to his credit, to his credit and the character's credit, when she is possessed by a demon and trying to get with him, he's like, no, I want to talk to Dana. That's right. He almost, he thinks Do about it. Do you love this body, Mike? <laughs> no. Uh. <laughs> yeah, but that's, he didn't do it. So there's a, there is a, a tiny nugget of gold in, inside that asshole. And that's kind of what I think we like yeah. about Beckman. But uh, yeah, I, I, I like the second one too. I'm kind of in Camp Colin where I think I like it better as kind of like a paranormal ghost hunting movie, right? Like I do like the plot with, like Jacob said, the ooze and the painting. I think that's a lot stronger. But it's the slime. You're here for the slime. Yeah, but just the people yeah. dicking around. The first movie has some insanely good dialogue you can't touch. So it depends. Like like Joe said, the kind of one piece of media, I guess. Yeah, that's they the really thing is like together I, for me. Yeah, I like the vibe of the first one a lot, but it feels like they don't actually do that much like investigating and science stuff. It feels like they do more of that in this one and you see them working together more um, with the slime and everything. And then I also do like Vigo Carpathian. I don't want to like rag on him. Um, I like his look and his voice, voiced by Max von Sydow. Fun fact. So crazy. Um, uh, yeah. And then, of course, there's the the weird art. Uh, guy. Do you like Janos Jacob, his sort of Janos. subordinate or familiar embodied in the in the real world? Well, it feels like another rehash from the first one is like the weird creep that's trying to also get with Dana, which in the first movie is Rick Moranis. Um, so they kind of do a similar thing again, um, who ends up getting possessed. Um, so like I say, a lot of similarities to the that. first one. Yeah. Um, but, at least- but overall, yeah, I like the... the um, science and the ghost busting they do in this one and you see them doing their job more i guess and they even there's go a lot of creeps in new stuff. york is that joe i said there's a lot of creeps in new york so like it makes that's sense that. oh, yeah. that's literally a plot point <laughs> a Weaver's probably to uh, actor peter mcneil uh, jacob he's done this part a couple times he does the exact same thing in dracula dead and loving it one of my favorite bad fucking movies it's so fucking terrible but an interesting thing about him he went through the audition process for this a billion times because it's a gigantic studio movie, and he brought the foreign character to it. Balky was very popular at the time. He just sort of thought it was a big swing. Studio loved it. He kept reading for the part, 
and they brought in actual foreign actors to try for it. It's like you pieces of shit. I fucking invented this part for the character. Mm-hmm. Don't don't right. fire me now. Oh man, we're gonna go straight to the source now. Yeah, thanks for nothing. Yeah. Oh man. Ali McBeal. Um, he's probably most known for. Mm. Oh sure, sure. Another thing I like about this movie is the uh, ending rap that describes the plot of the movie, which oh I thought Men in Black God. was the first movie Ninja to do that. Ninja Turtles <laughs> did that, man. Ninja Turtles, yeah. Um, yeah, that was a thing. But in the yeah, 90s. I didn't realize this was the originator of the remix of the Ghostbusters song to be turned into a rap that actively describes the plot of the movie. Really paint out the scene, though. So the Statue of Liberty has punched through a museum in New York City. Porn star Ron Jeremy is in the audience singing and swaying, singing Auld Lang Syme. Everybody comes out, Ghostbusters! Immediately we get a rap about what the movie was about. Yeah, what you just saw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's perfect. It's yeah. like Ninja Turtles, I like Mike it. brought up. I, uh, people always do the, the test of what um, Ghostbuster are you. I want to know, let's do which Ninja Turtle is which Ghostbuster. <laughs> well, Donatello's Egon, for sure. Well, yeah. Raphael is Vecman. Uh, no one's... Mike. Michelangelo is... Maybe Winston? Yeah, it's Ray. Ray's the, you know, he's like the part. No, Ray dude. takes it seriously. He's like a nice Ray's guy. Leonardo. I feel like Ray's like a nice guy. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Donatello would be Ray. It's tough because they're not superheroes. Like, they're, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> but they're you, technically, I would say Ray would be Leonardo, but he's not like brave or anything. He's just the one who's like. They got a they got a pole. Did you try it? Yeah, he takes this, charge. I'm yeah. the leader. He buys into yeah, like, the ghost stuff the most, just like Leonardo buys into the code of the ninja the most, right? And then the yeah, person right. who kind of you know ignores Egon's the tech, yeah, the smart. And then the they coolest one is Michelangelo, and then that's Winston. So I think we, we every movie you should be able to apply four <laughs> male leads to which Ninja Turtle they are. That's the right. sure Joseph Campbell man. Yeah, it, Jaws. Bruce is Michelangelo. <laughs> he's the party shark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Donatello is uh, uh, scared of water. <laughs> the uh, turtle scared of water. Anyway, I do think it's interesting that these past couple weeks we've been basically talking about blue collar heroes in New York. Um, I, I like that trend. I love That's that. True. Sony. That's there's true. a weird connection. Yeah, there. weird connection yeah. with Sony. Yeah. Maybe later if we're going to talk about the 2016. But uh, these first Ghostbusters men, they're so. Um, they're really entertaining. They do hold up. I like just, I'm trying to think of just moments that I like in the second movie to bring up. Like when they're pretending to be construction workers, they're like, oh, we're out here because, some, yeah. you know, we got to work Friday nights, you know, what a pain in the ass. And the cops are like, all right, all right. Any yeah, intimate you. comedy scene like that, like, I'm not kidding. When they are talking to the toaster and demeaning it and then saying nice things, <laughs> yeah. and then Bill Murray says, well, you're not sleeping with it, are you? And they all look down and he goes, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is which, uh, again, in the first one, uh, another funny scene is when Ray has a, dr- has a sex dream about a ghost. It blows him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's yeah, a dream. Yeah, his eyes crossed. It ain't no dream, baby. He gets sucked yeah. off by a that ghost. That was in the first draft of the script. That was not coming out. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd was adamant. Yeah. Uh, Dan, so they you've do been that in your room and then in this for one, yeah. three days, high on cocaine. <laughs> yeah, and then I just wrote the scene where the ghost blows me, baby. My grandfather <laughs> once told a story where he had an intimate a sexual encounter <laughs> with a class five apparition. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, it's like that's got to stay in. Getting slime everywhere. I like <laughs> oh. the scene where they they save the judge from the two brothers. I think that's a great like yeah. love opportunity to just have a random adventure in your movie. Everyone knows. Go back to Indiana Jones. That's Boy. that's how I think and perfect what movies a character go. actor that judge is, Joe. That the guy hammer. has such a fucking look, man. Hell yes, yeah. Mike. And then when they he needs them to help him, they're like, oh, you should talk to our lawyer. And they get the charges dropped before yeah. they go and, and get rid of the ghost. Like, Tully comes in for the save. I yeah. love it, man. Yeah. And then like even then, like Bill... Janine gets more to do. Yeah, but and her, like, there's a there's a lot going on. And Janine's look changes to look like the cartoon Janine. She gets the red hair. Yeah. I yeah. like her yeah. look yeah. in the first that's movie, but that's a weird change. Yeah. Watching them back to back. I kind of, you know, I thought she's been five years in the first movie. I thought I, I, I kind of had a crush oh, on her more than Sigourney Weaver actually in the first. Ooh, movie. this time around, I cannot help but agree. How about this? <laughs> Finn never becomes a Jedi, but this guy, this bumbling lawyer idiot, becomes a Ghostbuster at the end of number <laughs> yeah, two and gets does. to run up to the slime and shoot a beam. Did he actually help it? But all? only because they don't. Yeah, they don't know he's doing that. He kind of just does it, and then coincidentally, <laughs> so it's what? I would have loved the scene where Finn's like, "Yeah, I'm a fucking Jedi now. Who cares?" <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you get it in Force Awakens, I guess. Technically, did you? Uh, yeah, this this sure. movie. While we're talking about the originals, before we mm-hmm. move on to some of the newer stuff, like. This, for me, too, I remember being, like, the first time I just desperately wanted a number three and, like, Mm. really held out hope that we were going to get it. Every couple of years, there'd be rumors that it was coming, like... You, 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 did you guys have that experience? I mean, I guess you weren't Ghostbuster kids, but I remember like Ghostbusters go to hell. It's gonna happen. They're they're gonna take the elements from the the first script. And it's yeah. gonna be the third movie. Well, just watching these two movies back to back, it really feels like it should be a trilogy, and that there should have been a third one made at the time. Um, but now, be, that being said, I think um, after a while, it, it too much time had passed really to make a decent third movie. We we got a third ninja turtles so you know just be careful what you wish for uh you know that's true yeah. we got a fourth indiana jones that is true yeah. and we were too young joe for like army of darkness in theaters but i do remember being burned going to the theater for jurassic park 3 and being like eh, it, mm. it doesn't really turn out like it's been too long so no i'm not really sure especially that bill murray he i know he really only wanted to do it much like harrison ford if they were going to kill his character Maybe he'll get that wish, uh, depending on what we talk about soon. But it's like, so if your core movie is about an ensemble cast playing off of each other and one of those people doesn't really want to come back, that's a hard role to recast, especially in this franchise. So it kind of makes sense why it didn't happen. But who knows? There's probably a universe where they did get to go to hell and literally fight some demons. Yeah. And if, uh, you know, they couldn't, if if it wasn't going to be directed by Isaac Reitman or if one of the main you know, cast when it wasn't going to come back, it wouldn't be the same. And also knowing about Bill Murray and Harold Ramis, they had a falling out, I think when they were making Groundhog Day and Bill Murray, yeah. I don't think ever worked with Harold Ramis again and mm. stuff. So, you know, it could have gone wrong in multiple ways, but it would have been nice to see a, a third movie to round out a trilogy. They did kind of resolve their friendship a little bit right before he died. Luckily, that's good. Like, yeah, they did. Uh, they did have kind of a heartwarming moment. So that's good. And Joe, did you ever play the uh, Ghostbusters that video game that was so popular in what two thousand nine? Oh, yeah. 
where they say it's a Ghostbusters 3, quote-unquote. Yeah, I mean, like, so So, have you guys checked that one out? I can give you a quick rundown. No, uh, please, please. I, I guess I should I anyway, because it, yeah. it, it's a podcast and there's an audience. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, late, late 2000s, uh, I think 2008, 2009, there was a Ghostbusters The Video Game, mm. which featured all of the original actors, uh, all their original voices. Like, they all came back and, and, and were part of this movie where – uh, or this game where you play as the fifth Ghostbuster, the 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 unnamed rookie or recruit. I, I can't remember which one it is. Uh, and you just, mm-hmm. you know, run around New York and there is kind of like a bigger plot that develops over the course of the movie. And they do have some go to hell portal type elements and you get like different like the slime uh, ghost busting is an element. Like there's different types stay of puffed. streams that do different stuff. Yeah. Stay puff comes back. Okay. Um, it's nice. I mean, it's a good send up a love letter to the franchise. I think it's actually being remastered or was recently remastered. Oh, really? One I of the so. Two. I think you can get it on Switch now, guys. Like if anybody was oh, interested, I'm not. Uh, I remember renting it and burning through it pretty fast and then kind of being like, ooh, that was kind of short. So maybe I don't know. Yeah, it was quick. I mean, I remember I did. I played through it. Yeah. Xbox 360, 2009. Um, I remember enjoying it, but feeling like it went really quick. Like, I think there's only like two or three really big sets and mm-hmm. you do things like super nostalgic, like go back to the original hotel and things like that, which is fun. But like the third Ghostbusters movie, I don't think would have done that. You're doing that because it's a video game and, and it's 2009, not 1995. But you also do get to drive the Ecto one in a way that would put like Arkham Knight's Batmobile to shame. Like it handles oh, fucking yeah. better than that. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's 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 a pretty cool. fun sequence, and you have like the the it makes the uh, the cannon um, it makes the cannon cannon where uh, you know like there's the cart that comes off to the side, which was a part of the cartoon, and now we know with uh, the afterlife yep. trailer is actually going to be canon in whatever Ghostbusters universe that is. I mean, this is it, it gets kind of Star Trekian Uh-oh. where there's like multiple timelines that i guess we we have to talk about joe you weren't on our terminator episode we're used to that so let's go (laughs) ahead and jump to maybe a world where we're gonna see these actors again but not necessarily playing the same parts let's talk about some future ghostbusters stuff bad all right well i can tell you something that's bad i would call it ghostbusters 2016 let's roll right into it i mean i i I, have you guys seen this first of all i watched it for the first time uh just before the show first of all you gotta call it the right name it's ghostbusters answer the call well according to the title screen in the film there's (laughs) no subtitle (laughs) yeah they added that later to jump back to one of our previous episodes this is a sony thing guys the spider the amazing spider-man 2 quote-unquote rise of electro they do international titles that then on dvd release become their real titles so it is ghostbusters after the call or answer this is like a a birds of prey um situation where they had to rename it Harley Quinn in the in the Birds of Prey because exactly. nobody knew it was like a Harley Quinn movie. Yeah. Um so it, so we we've all seen this? Yes, is that where we're at? I didn't see it. Um I was planning to watch this. I watched, you know, Ghostbusters 1 and 2 last couple of days, but 
since I just didn't have time to get to it and I just had to finish Ghostbusters 2 today. So, but I've seen the trailer and I feel like I get the gist of it. So, I'm going to make opinions <laughs> based on fair, that, I guess. All right. So, oh, perfect. That's basically what fanboys did anyway. Colin and I had a pretty cool experience seeing this movie. We went down to the IMAX headquarters. The uh, the real Ecto one was there. That's and, cool. Uh, we got little gift bags. Ecto cooler. Yeah, we had Ecto cooler and Twinkies, and and we got patches that you could you know put on your suit. They had people in costume. It was it was a lot of fun. That 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 uh, was one of those collider uh, screenings. That was a, it was a blast. So it was f- how how fun was it once the film played? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Because well, all those things you're okay, describing so start, are from the original movies. Did it have Pringles? IMAX, did it have Papa John's? That, did Mike. it have the shitty new Ecto one? <laughs> oh, oh, so just uh, hold on. Sorry, yes, I'm sure you answer all this. Presumptuous. Did you? Did, no, how no, do you guys I love feel it. About Joe will movie? answer all these questions, Mike. But I just got to say, as a guy who sat next to Joe, uh, an Italian, a New Yorker, and then mm. who loves Ghostbusters for it being a rich heritage for that place. And then going home to our apartment where you ranted about Papa John's for maybe 30 minutes. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's okay. Oh, okay. Okay. So a couple things. One, um, this movie starts in such a curious fashion because there's the Sony logo and then there's the Ghost Core logo. Yeah. Which was going to be an entire division of of Sony where they were going to make all of these exciting Ghostbuster properties. Even ones that featured the talking gorilla and went that direction, calling back to the Funimation, wow. uh, you know, other version of the Ghostbusters. There were going to be a male spinoff with the counterpoint of the, the all-woman cast. There was going to be a version that took place in the original timeline. None of that came to fruition. <laughs> the Buster verse. They had uh, they had what thing. I call connected universe syndrome. Mm-hmm. That every studio. I love Jacob. But yeah. what are you guys talking about, Joe? Those movies came out. We saw Channing Tatum in that male Ghostbusters movie because he always <laughs> signs on movies that work out. We loved his Gambit. Oh yeah, yeah, dude, it's a classic. Um, <laughs> but then, okay, so let me let me do the Papa John's rant real Please quick. Please go. Uh, it's that's the worst thing about that movie. The worst thing about <laughs> Ghostbusters 2016 is that these these people who live in New York are are eating Papa John's nonstop. <laughs> You're totally it makes no right. fucking sense to me. Papa John's is it it shouldn't count as pizza. It's not pizza, <laughs> especially in New and York. These people like no, especially in like New York, and they had their bit. Well, okay, you could like Papa John's, I guess. It's better than Domino's. Whoa, shut him him down. Yeah, that's garbage, too. But if you're comparing that level of pizza, I'll take Papa John's over Domino's any day. But we're not. We're talking New York pizza for New Yorkers, right, Joe? Yeah. Well, Well, and they even they even had a bit where they had a relationship with a delivery guy for like a Thai restaurant or a Chinese restaurant. Why not just make that your thing? Why do you have to show them eating Papa John's at all? It took me right out of the movie. I was totally believing everything else happening, except for the fact that they would sit down and fucking eat Papa John's, because no one in their right mind would sit down and eat fucking Papa John's. You are so right, especially considering that their version of the firehouse, quote unquote, is on top of a Chinese food restaurant. But let me ask Jacob, as an avid NBA watcher, do you recall that the reason that there was the Papa John's tie-in was because there was the NBA tie-in as well, and they would do these weird Ghostbuster answer the call segments where it would be like <laughs> Dwight Howard would like 
you know, kill ghosts and then they would all like eat Papa John's pizza. <laughs> no, but that's amazing. Um, the first trailer was on the NBA final games. Like I remember watching those Jacob at your house while we were watching the NBA finals that year. Oh, man. That's hilarious. Um, they did a similar thing just last year with Kawhi Leonard in the new Terminator movie because <laughs> Kawhi Leonard, they tried to make him like the Terminator cause he's emotionless on the court. That's um, right. And they tie that into, um, you know, rise of the Terminator, whatever it's called. Um, yeah, pretty Italian. funny stuff. I mean, Papa John's gets um, to don the Proton Pack in the commercials, too. It's like, bust him, Papa. It's yeah. like, that's oh, my best my customer, yeah. and it's Slimer or some shit. It's yeah. like, oh, my. I, I nothing fucking, bad ever happened to Papa, Papa John. from Papa John. <laughs> yeah, nothing yeah. bad enough. Like, yeah, yeah that guy can go down. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, that guy seriously. is a piece of shit. Um, bust him, yeah. So but no Papa, Papa John's is a ever. piece of shit. It makes sense. But their pizza is better than Domino's. If you're going for that low, shitty-grade pizza... Domino's is way worse. I'm sorry, but if you're going to get cheap delivery, then Papa terrible. John's is, is Domino's buffalo chicken. But Joe, I'm on your side. And also, uh, wow. I, the whole movie, right? They, they have a relationship with a delivery man for, for a Chinese restaurant. And she's always complaining about her soup. So yeah, just have that be the thing. Why Or the character who you're complaining about, why doesn't my Papa John's pizza have enough Papa John's? T-? You know, like... That yeah, should have been I, the character I need more then. garlic dipping sauce so I can get diarrhea in the third act. <laughs> I fucking hate Papa right. John's. Right, don't, don't order Chinese food for half the movie and then have Papa John's out of nowhere. The product placement, like literally eating Pringles during your first like ghost encounter because it's it's funny. It's funny to eat chips. Oh, well, here's the thing. You can't have product placement with authentic New York pizza because they're not going to pay enough to be put in the movie. Pizza so time, Joe's Pizzeria. You don't yes. need it. <laughs> Yeah, and Joe's Pizzeria is really good, and it's a real, real place. Like, oh, it's a real spot. You, you could have just, you could have just picked one. Like, you, and also sure, everything sure. doesn't. You, uh, oh, well, in a Sony movie, let me let me give my. Does. Can I give you my take about this movie based on watching? Based on the not seeing it. All right, yeah, please. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. And we'll tell you. Well, if you're I right. don't really have interest in seeing this, but. I don't think it's bad because it's, uh, you know, all female cast and all that stuff. Like, I think that was all that whole controversy was all nonsense. The real mistake was making was making this movie a reboot that doesn't acknowledge the first ones instead of making it in the same universe as them. And I think it would have been a better movie if it was just a continuation of that universe. Um, and then it would have been able to make the whole connected universe thing much easier because there would be like different divisions of Ghostbusters and everything. Instead, you just act like the first movie doesn't exist and then they just do all the same things they did in the first movie um, down to getting the same kind of car and stuff. It doesn't make any sense. They do and they don't. It's really bizarre. Like the Ghostbusters logo is in a train station like it's been there forever and like acknowledged in a nostalgic way but then the ghostbusters but no one remembers characters na, 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 na. no the yeah. no the, the graffiti artist draws it to spite the lady who works for the MTA like but no like, one in New York even, remembers oh, the the that didn't happen. Remembers the Ghostbusters? That didn't happen here, as far as I know. No, it's a whole because there's still an evil mayor. Like it, right, it, does so it doesn't make any sense. A lot of the plot. Yeah, so it's a full-on reboot, and I was just happy to complain about pizza, but now I have to make actual plot points. Yeah, the issue is with the writing, and this is an Amy Pascal production, which this is Sony. This is the Spider-Man thing, right? I don't have a ton of confidence here. Um, so we're gonna get weird scripts and weird product placement. And I think there's too much ad libbing too. Hmm. But yeah. the thing is, I my, don't have a. 
Sorry, go ahead. My hottest take on this movie that I've seen um, is that the the problem is not that it's an an all female reboot. The Ghostbusters are actually okay. They work well. The problem is the man in charge. Uh, Paul Feig mm. ruined this movie, in my opinion, or the studio ruined his version of the movie because you just have characters ad libbing scenes that don't go anywhere. That you know mm. you should have said mm-hmm. cut two or three minutes ago after the joke landed like a joke would a land joke. and then the so scene would funny. keep going we're just letting kate yep, improv yep. she's just going off she's doing so much hilarious stuff have you seen the weird looks that she gives people <laughs> well yeah, that's that's really interesting if tough. you think about it because that's similar to how the original is made i mean you have these snl mm. cast members going into you know making movies now with you know bill murray and everything Dan Aykroyd. So now you have Kate McKinnon and Leslie Jones and stuff. So they're doing the same kind of thing with like letting them ad lib and stuff. But that's also a problem that a lot of these mid two thousands comedies has. It's kind of like the Office effect, where they kind of just in Paul Feig obviously uh, directed episodes mm-hmm. of The Office and then Bridesmaids and some other movies. But I, I know it's a lot of those movies have that problem where it's just like it's the Judd Apatow thing too, yeah. where they just kind of let yeah. the actors riff, but they need to tighten it up in the editing. Like you can riff on set. But in the editing, it needs to be it needs to be tighter for sure. Yeah, and and having watched it, this, I feel that same way. Even if the original had kind of these improv and these you know SNL comedians working together, they they cut away. They know when to cut when they get the joke, right? Exactly. And they know when exactly. to hold back. Here, it's just let's just keep going, just keep going. And this is a problem that Knocked Up had, um, where mm-hmm. they just let you know Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen just go for minutes and stuff, and it's just like that happens. That was a lot the beginning here. of it. Yeah, yeah. And you're kind of trading off, Jacob. You're totally right on the magic where you're like, well, Paul Fagg and Melissa McBride, that's a winning duo. They, you know, she was pretty much Oscar nominated for that performance. Um, right. So, Mike, what did you think of these Ghostbusters? What did you think of Leslie Jones, uh, Kate McKinnon, Melissa McBride, and uh, I mean, they're, oh, what's they're, her name? Um, I, I have to pull it up, but I think like. There's in some ways like shadows of, of the original characters. Yeah, like Kristen Wiig is is um, like kind of like Bill Murray, where she's kind of like I don't buy believe in the paranormal. And then you have Ray, which is uh, Melissa McCarthy. Egon is and Kate McKinnon is the Egon. Yeah, and and Winston Jones. But I think they're all right. But they're <laughs> and then two black characters. <laughs> Yeah, right. So we're going to flip it by doing the same thing. But honestly, she, um, she's like the best character. Everyone else is like one note. Oh, yeah. Like, especially McKinnon. She's terrible. Mike. She, Kate, yeah, and I think she's a, even she's with a funny some distance. in SNL and stuff. But she's this not is good so in interesting. You know, there it was this this huge stigma and hate group, probably racial based, that just does not like Leslie Jones or whatever. Oh, Joe, sure. I distinctly remember you before going into this movie being like, I've never seen anything with Leslie Jones in her. I'm not sure if I'm going to like her or not. We watched that and you were like, oh, I don't know why people think she's a problem. She's a genius. All the other girls were the problem. Yeah. So yeah. My, I had the, only... the fact that you feel that same way, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, because the plot services her so well. Like I had only seen her play Leslie Jones on SNL before mm-hmm. and like – Whenever she was in other sketches, like, I don't know, they just didn't really land for me. To make someone who I didn't think was all that funny be the star of the movie and and play perfectly into the universe. And then to take someone like Kate McKinnon, who I think is 
one of the funniest women alive and and make it unfunny it's just like un, like i don't know how you did that i don't know how you you made Kristen wig and kate mckinnon like unfunny that seems like an impossible task well to go into the the casting too i wanted to mention so like obviously you know it was swept up in this big controversy over the the gender swapped casting which is and, bullshit you know, right yeah it got caught up in this whole thing which uh, also around the time last jedi came out a lot of um comparisons to certain you know people having problems with it and it's just very ugly and so it's hard to say like you know i think we all agree that you know, it's not a good movie, but the reason is not because of that. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, I was watching Red Letter Media did a video about it, and they made a really interesting point that, like, if you're since you're doing this full reboot, actually making them doing the gender swap thing is actually one of the best things about it because if you were to cast it with like, oh, Seth Rogen is going to be like, you know, the new Bill Murray or whatever, you get Seth Rogen, Michael Sarah, whoever at the time, like, that would have just been worse because then because. Ghostbusters is very specifically about the personalities of Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and all them like coming together. So you're not going to be able to replace Bill Murray. So at least you can try something different with having an all female cast instead. So that's just something interesting to think about. I just think, yeah, Ivan Reitman had a way better handle on what he was going to create with those personalities than Paul Feig did in this case. Yeah. And if we're talking other cast members, obviously the biggest get that sort of really ruffled feathers where people were like, oh my God, well, that's interesting. Why isn't he just one of the Ghostbusters is Chris Hemsworth. So you got Thor there, Mike. Do you like his addition to this film? No, because he's written. (laughs) He's written as being so dumb that when he hears a loud noise, he covers his eyes. That's too <laughs> dumb. No, I didn't make that up. But he's like, so handsome. Yeah, it, like it's like that is how he is written, and that is the level of, of writing that we're dealing with here. And like Leslie sure. Jones is great. Well, good. She's good in this compared comparatively because she's at least like someone. She lives in New York. She knows the city. She knows the history of the city. So she knows like why there might be ghosts in places. Like her character background, at least like has a reason that she's contributing to the group. Everyone else is just like, I'm a weird scientist, or I like ghosts. Like, they they're, they don't really have any skills. She has I wrote a skill a book. that's her knowledge, at least. So, Yeah, I'm, and, I mean, I do. I like the way the other Ghostbusters relate, because, like, there is something mm-hmm. about taking the, the shadow Bill Murray and making her want to be cool on the outside and then on the inside being like ready to geek out about it and being like no i knew it i did know like we were right it is true like i i do like that um chris hemsworth though like i totally agree like it's been proven he can be funny right we've seen him be funny and other stuff i guess this was the experiment i don't know yeah like how do they let thor be funny yeah yeah like how do you take these people who are funny and make them unfunny by just Letting the camera run and and not knowing when to say when. And this doesn't even include the fact that, like, this movie was one of the most expensive movies of the year. Um, And they they sunk millions of dollars into a big dance sequence that doesn't make the cut and is just in the credits. I was waiting for it to happen. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's it's just in the credits. (laughs) So hearing about a lot of this, it sounds a lot like the whole... Spider-Man thing with the Sinister Six and all these 
movies they had Sony. planned, this whole connected universe, they really bet a lot on this movie, and it backfired like in a big way. And they do have a post creds that sets up Zool. Like they did, Jacob, have a <laughs> yeah. lot planned for yeah. this, even though it's not. So it's just that like universe. how many What's Zool? How many executives looked at this and was like, "Yeah, let's let's base you know our whole year around this movie, and you know possibly the future connected universe and everything." It's just like, how do these studio execs keep getting jobs? I don't know, man. Not as many executives looked at the film as looked at the script. Mike, the challenge here, as the guy mm-hmm. who just saw it for the first time, yes, explain what Neil Casey, a wonderful improv- improviser, if you've been out to L.A., I've seen him a couple times, super funny comedian, bad guy of this film as the bellhop who's doing what? <laughs> and how does he become what he becomes at the end of the movie? Any of it. How do I... All right, so... Uh, it appears to me that he is a thinly veiled uh, incel, or <laughs> right, and, and for whatever reason, he Ooh, hates women. society. He hates women. He hates rockers. He hates he hates everybody. He hates everybody in New York, right? Because they're rude and stuff. So he wants to take over New York, and through the knowledge he learned by reading um, Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy's ghost book, he's created a machine and the ability to bring all the ghosts out. And then he's going to kill himself and become the leader of the ghosts and take over New York. That's his plan. <laughs> but it was he psychic, Mike? Why is he able to? Jacob, the big twist at the end of the film is he becomes the ghost in the emblem that you can imagine. You know, the silly little like waved head, socked headed sure. ghost. He, he oh, turns sure. into that and has the ability to possess people, paranormal powers. Because he read a book about ghosts. So okay. when he becomes a ghost, he has every ghost power we've seen in this movie. So much like Zool saying, tell me the form of the destructor, right, and choose the form. He literally says, tell me what form you wish me to take. And then uh, Leslie Jones is just like something cute. And then he becomes the Ghostbusters okay. logo. And and that's it. Something about this movie is like Bill Murray said he would only come back if they kill his character. And Bill Murray shows up and they kill him. And then, like, the Ghostbuster original logo shows up, and they kill it. Like, this movie is obsessed with just killing whatever made the original Death. Ghostbusters fun. Let the past die, Mike. <laughs> they Kylo the Jedi. Jedi. Ghostbusters. <laughs> yes. I didn't know Bill Murray was in this movie, actually. Yeah. All four of the original Ghostbusters are in it. Spoiler. And that's one of my mm. biggest problems with it. Um, <laughs> Why are they there? Be your own thing. They were, you know, like, it's an, an all-female reboot. It's a different take on the Ghostbusters. Here's their relationship. Every time that I was starting to enjoy it, um, you know, Dan Aykroyd would show up as a cabbie and it would be like, why? Why are you reminding me that I'm watching a Ghostbusters reboot? I mean, let me just enjoy it. I was enjoying it. Like, and now I'm immediately taken out of it. So you can wink at the audience and be like, here they are. It's like, they're not playing the same character. They're, they're just there to get a paycheck like it just doesn't make any sense to me it's like every act they have one of them show up too it's like you get that's interesting early. i didn't even realize that having not seen it but um uh, they, they don't play also, their characters no they're yeah, just like different. random people well that goes back to my big problem is that this being a reboot um this could have been the same movie set in the same universe as the original movies and it really wouldn't have taken away from it i think it would have made it better I'm 
Oh, buddy, fix right here. Okay, I wrote this book on ghosts. Nobody believes me. I've discovered something terrible that's going to destroy the city. The government's not going to help me. Uh, oh, I found this number. Oh, they say I have to pay a franchise fee. We go to the franchise office. They're, they lease Ghostbusters equipment. The rest totally. of the movie plays out. That is all you need. Or, yeah, or, oh, wow, the fucking mayor covered up this shit that happened, you know, exactly, 20 years yeah. ago. We need to talk to those guys. And then, you could boom, go to, okay. you could go to like, a retired Dan Aykroyd's house, and he could be, like, a crazy conspiracy theorist with stuff all no. over his house. Instead, Jacob, like Joe said, and I'm pretty sure that, Joe, you, you made this comment, too, right after we got out of the theater, that it seems like he's just improvising. He pulls up in a cab. Uh, can you take us down to, you know, uh, Chinatown? There's ghosts everywhere. Eh, with all this and that, and that's a, this kind of ghost. No, I gotta get out of here, lady. I, woo! <laughs> you're just like, yeah, that, that's, that's not what that character that I want to do. I see, I, I disagree with your guys' like, you could have just, you know, put it in the same universe. I don't think it needed to be, like, if anything, it should have just truly been its own thing. Like, let these characters not be you know, versions of the characters we knew, let them be all new. Like Leslie Jones is one of my favorites because she doesn't know the science at all. She just loves the city and knows the city and like is a driving force in the plot. She doesn't just show up because it's a job like Winston. She pushes the plot Mm. forward. And like, I like the drama between Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy where like they were friends and now they're not friends anymore because one of them decided to like, quote unquote grow up and get a real job like there's drama there there's comedy there it's just the execution is so poorly done and i blame the director like that is who i would blame in this situation i also blame sony a little bit much like the amazing spider-man like there are seeds of drama there right people looking for the missing pieces like connors and peter looking for things that they're missing right but it gets muddled with and the execution is what the problem is and yeah, there are pieces of drama, Joe. I do think that, you know, no one believed in ghosts but you and you're my only friend in school. Like, that's a nice thing, but it's touched on in the very beginning, and then they make up, and then they bring it back at the very end, and that's it. And they just forget about that through line because the execution is poor. It's a case of knowing your audience, right? Are you making this for young people? Are you making this for new fans? Are you making this for the old fans? I've always said, I think the best execution of it, and I wonder if any other movie franchise could ever emulate it, is the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek, where it literally goes, here's all of it. This is a world where you get your old Star Trek, you get your new Star Trek, and then I'm telling you that it diverges. This is all new, you're satisfied, I get to be satisfied too. I just don't know if anybody can pull off a a fucking pro-gamer move like that anymore. I think you're right, Colin... As much Crazy. as I, yeah, as much as I don't like, you know, certain things that J.J. Abrams has done with the Star Trek universe, that's a whole other rant with Alex Kurtzman as well. Uh, but um, w- it was clever to make it because, you know, it's it's kind of a retelling of the original cast, but then they also show that, you know, Leonard Nimoy is in it, so it's, it's a diverging timelines. Maybe harder to do with Ghostbusters, which deals less with timelines and stuff, but you already have paranormal, so it's not too much of a stretch. Um, but I think if it was going to be its own thing, then why do they have proton packs? Why do they have the, the jumpsuits? Why do they have the same car? Like, Why is everything the same if it's its, its own thing? It needs to either be its own thing or it needs to exist in the same universe, to me anyways. So I think that's the biggest mistake. Of, But 
Speaking of, of sequels that exist in that universe, uh, mm. what I really want to talk about is the trailer for the new movie um, that was supposed to come out uh, this summer, Ghostbusters. We've seen it already. Well, we've all Afterlife. seen it. What are you talking about? What happened? I don't think anything oh, right, uh, stopped right, yeah. us from seeing it. <laughs> no, that's coming in 2021. Right, right. Um, Ghostbusters Afterlife. So this is a movie directed by Jason oh, Reitman, uh, son of Isaac Reitman, right? Um, who directed the original? Who directed too. the originals? Uh, good director. I like him a lot. You know, certain movies that he's made. But Gino. I also am not a big fan of this trailer. I don't know how you guys feel about it. But spooky? Is it because it's dark and weird, Jacob? <laughs> I think the problem with it is is too serious. It it holds the originals to a reverence that not that they don't deserve that as movies, but it's, it's taking the mo- the originals more seriously than they took themselves in a way where it's like, Oh, Paul Rudd's like, Oh, you know, who are, who are you related to? Oh, the famous Egon Spengler, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's so like, but isn't that what all party performer for? Egon Spengler? <laughs> like, yeah. isn't that what everyone like bitched about when Ghostbusters 2016 came out that they were ruining this this holier than thou thing so like right that's the problem is like yeah i had that problem with the with the 2016 movie now i have the opposite problem with this movie i think maybe i just don't want a ghostbuster sequel at all and (laughs) um because i don't know what to do to make it successful but i don't think this is it and also the whole stranger things ification of it where it's like oh it's it's got finn wolfhard and this young group of friends who are in this small town and it's Baby, all like Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah, it's like not like that. None of that makes me think of the originals, which were set in New York City and were these like goofy comedies. So I don't know. To me, the tone of that trailer was very strange for a, a Ghostbusters movie, and it didn't really make me excited to see it. I think the tone well, of that trailer was supposed to get you really nostalgic. Like, I don't think the tone of that trailer is going to be reflective of the tone of the movie. I think it really was just to get people who were like, oh, finally, they ruined it in 2016, but now they're going to fix it because my Ghostbusters are men. Like, yeah, right, I, th- but- I think it really kind of was trying to hark on people like that. I'm I'm fingers crossed that the movie itself will not kind of carry that like, no, Ghostbusters were superheroes. Like, I I do yeah. hope that it gets a Your little sillier. dudes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, whereas 2016 was just trying to do something completely new, right? At least that's the idea, right? This seems like a complete opposite course correction where it's really, they, they show you the Millennium Falcon. You know, you see the original Ecto 1, oh, you yeah. see the fucking lightsaber. They're just showing you all the nostalgia, right? They're definitely right. going in that direction. Um, and it, I do agree, Jacob. The tone seems more serious than the original films were. So it's like, no fan service. We're doing something new, complete fan service. And, and we'll, we'll see how it turns out. I do like Paul Rudd. Yeah, I like Paul yeah. Rudd too. I think, I like Paul um, Rudd. you know, I'm, I'm maybe kind of hard to please as as a no. s- semi Ghostbusters <laughs> fan because I had the opposite problems with these two movies. I understand how that can sound, you know, hard to please. So I'm sorry about That's that. That's kind of a Goldilocks syndrome you've got. This one's too new. <laughs> this one's too old. Yeah, yeah, Just I get right. that. I also get what Jacob said about the small town thing. I said the movie's name off podcast, but Evolution a film that was obviously inspired by Ghostbusters oh, yeah. is like Same director. that in a small town. So when I see this right. afterlife trailer, I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm getting some nineties flashbacks. Oh dog. I yeah. love evolution. If, Can we talk about evolution yeah, for a talk second? Talk about a fucking evolution. animated series. You know, we both watched. 
Yep, Evolution no, see, also had a spin a, a spin-off animation series, but like come on, Ivan Reitman making a movie about aliens with David Duchovny. It was I, I love that movie. I rewatched yeah. that. I have that movie on DVD. Like I, I love that one. That's Ghostbusters oh, yeah. 3 to me. Well, if if you were to tell you know, if I were to say, let me know if you'd be shocked. If I were to say that I don't think Sony knows how to make good movies, mm. would you be shocked? And if I were I to say shocked. that Sony has had no success business-wise with anything but the PlayStation in the past 15 years, would you be shocked? Besides Spider-Verse. I mean, I don't trust them. I think Sony sucks Yeah. as a film studio. Columbia, they suck. They're coming up a lot on this podcast, especially in the last few of the movies we've covered. I just, and I know I brought up his name earlier, but I think over and over that the relationship they have with Channing Tatum and, you know, looking at the Sony leaks where you see his response emails being like, dope, 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 yo, yo, yo. And all their ideas of like, it'll be a 21 Jump Street crossover with Men in Black. It'll be a Channing Tatum movie, uh, Ghostbusters. It'll be uh, all these, you just go, none of this is fucking a good idea at all. They want a universe so bad. Jacob's right. Like, they want it it's so bad. Every studio but they have the after, Sony universe you know, of MCU, Marvel characters. Every studio wants their own connected universe. And so they tried it with Spider-Man. Hasn't worked out. So now they're like, what, what else do we have? Ghostbusters? Franchise All right, whatever. Syndrome. You know, same thing mm-hmm. is happening with, you know, Legendary. And they're, you know, King Kong and Godzilla, Godzilla which I guess is going to work out better. Than Universal this, tried it. Yeah, the oh, the dark universe. The dark universe. Never forget. I can't Johnny believe Jeff. that our upcoming Summer of Fun episodes are all about the dark universe. Uh, <laughs> Jacob, your favorite being the Russell Crowe, Mr. Hyde movie. Joe, of course, no, it's the Johnny the Depp, Invisible Man. <laughs> I love the Johnny Depp, Invisible Man. Mike loves the uh, Dracula Eckhart, Frankenstein. Oh, yeah, no, you love I Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love I the dark horse. So that's a problem, but I feel like the other thing is with this afterlife, like I'm just going to rant about afterlife a little more. I get that, you know, maybe the mega fans are really wanting something that's going to, you know, bring back the nostalgia. So I hope that they get that. And all the cast are returning for this as well, except for Harold Ramis, of course, but you even get, you know, Rick Moranis and Sigourney Weaver and Annie Potts are all apparently coming back for this movie. So I don't know, but it's just like, you know, you have Paul yeah, Rudd. Sony, you guys pay cash? Yeah, I'll show up. <laughs> yeah, even Bill Murray. So, I mean, I guess. You're desperate, you say? You, you guys are desperate? Yeah, Truly. I'll do it for double the price. Hell yeah. So, but, I mean, yeah. And just the, the casting of Finn Wolfhard, it just seems like a very studio thing. It's like, oh, what are the kids like these days? Oh, that Finn There's Wolfhard. There's no actors under 16 in Hollywood besides him. Yeah, no. yeah. I, I think know, we're, man. I don't know. I like, I'm reserving judgment. Like, we've seen one trailer which was very much meant to, it was, it was, and I don't think it mm-hmm. needed to be. I'm not one of these people. Um, but it was an apology for 2016. That's what that trailer was. Uh, sure. I don't think it should have been, but that's what they did. No, that's like That's gross. what they put out there. Um, I do think mm-hmm. it's going to be a much more diverse ghost-busting cast than we've seen before. I like the idea of Paul Rudd kind of being a Ghostbuster fanboy. I'm hoping there can be some meta critiques in there. Um, and I do like that, like, the fact that the chair comes out in the trailer and you see her riding on the side of it, like, yeah. that makes some stuff That's from cool. the cartoon canon. So, like, as someone who did kind of love a lot of this stuff, like, 
if if they do a throwaway a throwaway line mentioning like the extreme Ghostbusters of the '90s and like that team that Egon taught of like teenagers, I would be super excited. So like and Egon getting like, a thick perm. Yeah, extreme like there's like dumb shit like that. I would be hair. super into. Um, that like mm-hmm. you know I I think it's hard to, to me. That's not even a real trailer. That is like a teaser apology, right? Like. It doesn't right. feel indicative of what I think the tone will even be. But to me, just mm. to see all the worst people who were all like, you know, fuck the 2016 movie, blah, 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 for all the worst we- reasons who are now like, oh, this is what the Ghostbusters sequel should be. And, the, you know, when the movie comes out, they're all going to be like, oh, you know, that's, you know, this is the movie that we should have got originally. I kind of hate that those people are getting, you know, kind of Zack Snyder's to. Justice League. Oh, yeah, the, the, the fact that they get the Snyder cut and get to wear their mega hats—trust oh, me, right. yeah. it burns me oh, up God, inside. Yeah. Um, and then I also yeah. just have questions about how ghosts work in these movies because it's like Paul Rudd even <laughs> says, "Like, oh, there hasn't been a ghost sighting in thirty years, but you know, New York in the eighties used to be crazy." And it's like, well, wh- what happened to all the ghosts? I don't understand. And big prediction I think here: we'll find do out. We, <laughs> do we want to throw it out? Will we get a ghost of the original crew? Now, obviously, the easiest one would be Egon. I don't think they're going to be that tasteless, but we know how much yeah. Bill Murray would love to die. <laughs> maybe, yeah. oh yeah, maybe Bill Murray's appearance will be as a ghost. That would be that would be funny. Um, but he yeah. literally walks in a room, sits in a chair, and gets thrown out a window in the 2016 one. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Um, That's brutal. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll hold, re- you know, I'll reserve judgment, but I'm just not, I guess, looking forward to a Ghostbusters sequel. I don't feel like it's necessary now that all the older cast members, obviously, they're not going to reunite for a to be the central part of a Ghostbusters movie. There's, you know, er- not everything needs to be brought back after 20 years. I don't know. Not every franchise. As a as a Ghostbusters mega fan, I totally agree. Like, I'll definitely see that movie. Hmm. I'll be really excited to watch it, but like, I'm not clamoring you know what i mean like i'll I'll enjoy it i don't hate the 2016 movie because it's different i just hate papa john's Ooh, i love that take (laughs) carrie coon uh is the lead actress in it too she seems to be the mom of film wolfheart uh she's the actress from the leftovers i love her annie potts we know is returning rick moranis isn't Mm. and yet he He will return for but he will return for a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids sequel. He just announced Jacob. Oh, it's like of all the opportunities he has had for beloved films role. to come back. Yeah. I love Incredible. Rick Moranis. Uh, they should make a Spaceballs 2, and then you should come back for that. Ooh, all right. No, they should make that a Spaceballs 3. The search no, the two was already made. Too. The search for more money. Oh, right? that's oh, right. That yeah. <laughs> I'll throw this out to you guys because I've been loving the thwips so much. What do you guys want to do here for the one and two and three, which we'll call uh, what? Answer the call. Do you guys want to say mm-hmm. how many skulls of crystal vodka you would give it? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Well, how, how many do you have to drink to get through it? <laughs> <laughs> I would say you don't need any vodka to get through the first two, but you might need at least okay, one five to two for skulls. answer the call. <laughs> Five crystal skulls of vodka to make it through. No, it's not that bad, but it is poorly executed and they they let the scenes go on too long. So out of five, we'll say like so the first two Ghostbusters as a unit are five out of five. Just like in general, maybe four point five. There's a little little bit of if let's say four point five is a combined unit. Uh, But answer the call is like a two. It's it's yeah, that's fair. It's all right. I would say how about the super fan? 
I would say five for one. It's an all-time classic. It's it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I can quote almost every minute of it. I, I did zero research for this podcast. I just didn't feel like I really needed to. You know, usually, like, I try to rewatch stuff. Like, I had just casually rewatched both the animated series, like, two weeks ago. So, like, that's oh, really wow. fresh in my mind because it was something that I had done. Uh, so, yeah, five for that one. I'm going to give the second one a four. Obviously, there are some some uh, you know issues there that was uh, people had problems with. Whatever. Cool. Yeah, I, even though I like it, uh, and then I would I would give the answer the call two and a half. Ooh. I do like a lot of the stuff it does um, when it's just paying casual homage to the originals. One thing we didn't talk about technology wise, the fact that the proton streams burst out of the black frame. I think that's really inventive. I think that's a really cool thing that they decided to do. Uh, but ultimately, every time they try to harken back to the original, I, I wish you wouldn't. I wish you wouldn't uh, give the, the haters the satisfaction. Like, I wish you would have just really tread your own path a little bit more, and that path better not fucking include Papa John's. Yeah. Amen. Um, you guys want to rate Ghostbusters one and two, Jacob? And yeah, uh, you know, I like I said at the top of this podcast, I'm not, I wasn't a huge Ghostbusters fan before this. Um, I didn't remember that much about them; hadn't seen them in a long time. And I'm not a huge like I appreciate a lot of the comedies of of this era and such, but I'm not a huge fan of them. But this one I do think is better than something like you know your Caddyshacks and uh, those kind of things. I would rate it higher than that. And I do I see why this is is considered a classic. Um, it's not my personal favorite movie or anything, but I would give it a solid. Uh, you know, I guess I, I I would give it a five out of five, just from an objective point of view. The first one, the f- second one, I'll give for what it is. Yeah, the second one I'll give a four out of five um, because it's it's pretty much as good as the first one. But some I didn't like how over, how some things were just c- completely rehashed from the first one. Um, but again, it's, it's very enjoyable to watch and I didn't see, you know, 2016 answer the call, but I'll give the trailer a two out of five. <laughs> Jacob, we're pretty close there. Great trailer. Everybody's giving it two I out of five. I was at two for the whole experience. Yeah. I should have just watched the trailer. <laughs> I gave it two and a half. I'm super easy. You know, uh, I said, I don't know what these movies are, but I do like that they take big swings. You watch something like um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where like we did with the Turtles, they'll literally be like, well, no, I thought I was the Vankman. I thought I was the this. You know, they'll they'll move through those roles. If you write a movie now that has a crew, you know, it gets compared to that stuff. Like it does. It does happen. Joe and I have taken like this fucking swing. Like it's 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 a curse yeah. that it's going to bear. It's it's a genre bender. It's a genre maker. So super easy. I'll go four, four, and three. I'm the highest on that one because, Joe, I had a great time seeing that movie with you. You talked about those black bars. We saw it in Dude, IMAX it so 3D. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just like, and we got cool stuff, and I still have that patch. Like, that's awesome. I, I, I'm looking at that patch right now. Yeah. And what do you... If I was going... Sorry. If I was going to watch that movie, I would have rather watched it the way you guys did at IMAX with the whole event, like for sure. Oh, and like a really exciting like, crowd. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was a really good time. 
Paul Feig did give like a very heartfelt, uh, you're watching this in IMAX. I've pre-recorded this. You're one of the you know first people to see it. This is my movie. We worked hard on this movie. And I do remember leaving thinking, yeah, Joe's right. This guy, I, I don't know about yeah, this He guy. was 100% the problem. Well, it's, it, like, it's, there was it's, like a weird ego tick to it too. Like I really did not like the way he talked about that movie. Like – I don't know. It felt really weird to me that you had a bunch of men hating on it because it was made by or starring all women and then a man taking credit for the fact that it was all women. Like, I don't know. Both both well, sides he also of those coins, I think, are wrong. You know, in interviews and said, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, you should be coming after me if you're going to come after anyone. For me, I, I want to defend this movie that I haven't seen because I, I want to say <laughs> F you to the, to the haters. Um but yeah, Paul Feig, it's interesting because I did think Bridesmaids was funny, but I can see he kind of came up on on that TV comedy style like The Office and uh, Parks and Rec and that kind of thing. So um, that whole TV-ification of film comedy, sometimes it doesn't work because you just need more structure in a film. Well, Bridesmaids has two of the same cast members in the core, and it is so much better. Yeah. And I would argue no lessons were really learned if you listen to these guys talk and how they defend the reception of the film. They just talk about the misogyny, which is a very big part of it, but that's not why this film failed. It just was a genuinely bad movie. So you got to wonder going forward, guys. But uh, Normies, Mm -hmm. maybe you head forward with us. Maybe we run over to the wrap-up. bring any of that fucking Papa John's over here. Fucking Papa John's garlic I didn't sauce diarrhea. Papa John's so much. I do. I, I, in the context of eating it on screen in New York, it also bugs me fucking, they order Domino's in uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but it, that was like one yes. of the reasons they could actually pay for the movie. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> that was an oh, independent yeah. film. Yeah. yeah. Like, no I give them more of a pass shot. than... Sony being like Sony being like, yeah, we'll take another fifteen million dollars and we'll have them eat Papa John's. I'll have them smeared all over themselves. I don't care. Oh yeah, that, that <laughs> all gets siphoned off into an offshore account in Amy Pascal's name. That's, oh, that's I'll still take. And they brought back. They had to bring back Stay Puff just because. Right. That's like this, they, that's what I'm saying. It's like everything. Why mm. do they have the jumpsuits? Everything looks just either the same. Be your own thing or the don't. jumpsuits. I get. The weapon I get because there is certain iconography that you're going to want. Leslie brings the jumpsuits from work. She brings the jumpsuits from work and they are a different design. And like the proton Mm -hmm. packs are slightly different because Kate McKinnon likes to like have fun designing them. Like she's like a tech person. Oh, that's that's kind of like her They make like handheld weapons at one point. Yeah. (laughs) And I like all of that. Like I'll tell you, like there's a lot of like good stuff in there. It's yeah. just ruined. And then, by, like, well, there's a lot of sticking. good stuff, and then you end up at a carnival of blue screen like madness. <laughs> yeah, with like Tim Burton characters like walking around. Yeah. And you're like, what oh, is so this? Oh, oh, we didn't even talk about Lady Slimer. At. Do you remember Lady Slimer? There's a point where yes, Slimer yeah. floats by, yes, and he's got Slimer like a girlfriend, a girlfriend Slimer, and it looks like he Slimer steals the Ecto One. 
and then he goes and picks up a girl, and yeah. he's got his boys in the back. And it's the like girl looks just like Well, is it real him. slime yeah, or, like, is it practical slime or CGI slime? Because I think in the second well, one, there's a lot of slime and effects and stuff, but it's it's more practical, so I think it works better. There's some practical slime in this. And, uh, yeah, you know. but there's also a lot of CGI. I mean, there's a CGI pterodactyl. I'm, I'm pretty sure, slime. like, I'm pretty sure Kate McKinnon was CGI for half of it. Like, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. Uh, so is Chris Hemsworth. Um, Ghostbusters guys, Ghostbusters, and we face them down. Any other last thoughts or kind of general wisdoms about the Ghostbusters? I think I think the second half of this episode really got dominated by this Ghostbusters 2016 and the future of Ghostbusters Afterlife. But really, normies, if you're listening to this and you haven't checked them out, watch the first two. There's a reason that they're cherished and they're they're comedy gold. Damn it. Oh, and these are mega normie, too. I mean, like, who doesn't Mm -hmm. now own or at some point has owned a Ghostbusters T-shirt? Like, I I still think that's probably... One of the greatest logos. Yeah, this is definitely, like I said, with Jaws. You could walk into a Target right now, uh, maybe. Totally. uh, And you would see a Ghostbusters shirt somewhere. (laughs) You do. You do have to put your mask on. (laughs) Iconic. Yeah, and... The theme song is great. I think we mentioned that briefly. Um, I don't like the Fallout Boy version, but I do like no. the orchestral version in 2016 that they play during the last battle. There's like a big kind of orchestral version. That I think you know that's pretty fun. But it's, yeah. it's a great theme song, even if it was stolen from Huey Lewis in the news. I need to return some videotapes is what he was thinking <laughs> once he found out they ripped him off. Nice. Um, and I will say, if you want to watch the first one, you can... Uh, maybe find it for free on YouTube. I'm not saying I did this, but I'm just saying, uh, you know, if you were to search it on YouTube, you could probably find the whole movie on there. Um, the Are second they not one, on Netflix anymore? <laughs> no, that's funny. The second I one I had to rent it. on Amazon um, for three ninety nine. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're great movies, and you should watch them if you haven't. They're they're good. You rented that one, and then you were making me read that men's rights book you were writing, and you said you wouldn't watch the 2016 one, Jacob? Man. That's right. Oh, just whatever. like uh, Captain Marvel. That's right. Oh, Alita man. Battle Angel. No, that's a good one, because she's That's cool. a good one, yeah. She's got that's big a, she's, she's a she's robot a good girl. and control. <laughs> she's an Incels love anime. Just kidding. I'll jump in final thoughts. Uh, like I said, Ghostbusters isn't my thing, but it's... It's something I could acknowledge. It's something that I find easier getting into than Jaws or something like that. Like I said, this doesn't feel old to me. This feels like a movie that dads just fucking love. That, you know, moms love too because they just have a bunch of like goofy drive-in memories to it. This just It's got like a fun, jovial energy to it. And it's really hard to not be infected by it. So watching it now, watching it, Ghostbusters makes me happy. When I walk away, when I think mm. about it, it's not necessarily always there, but watching it, babies, Ghostbusters is there for me. Yeah, I, I'm one of those dads who loves this movie, I guess. Like, it is uh, something I hold near and dear to my heart. It's a franchise I love. I grew up with these movies, the toys, the cartoons, the song. Uh, definitely watch it all, including 2016. You never know. Make up your own mind. The characters are great. Um, and it just kind of goes a little too far in some points. As far as the future, I'm I'm along for the ride, but I'm not holding my breath, and I'm and I'm not really hurting for it. You know what I mean? Like the future's never going to take away from the past. 
So just enjoy what you enjoy and don't be an asshole about it and don't eat Papa John's pizza. Ah, and Joe, what you are enjoy? a new dad because uh, you have your kid That's there, Oscar, and you just bought that giant painting of that, that guy that you have behind you. Yeah, you like it? I got it at a flea market. I thought it was, <laughs> you know, funny. Just kidding. You can't go to flea markets. Wear your mask. Wash Wear your, your hands. <laughs> Uh, I do like at the end when there's that mural of all the Ghostbusters Mike, and a baby. Mike, I love that painting. Thank you for shouting that out. That's such a funny moment. I remember as a kid being like, like that. that's so clever. That's so cool. <laughs> so good and so dumb. They're like they're like the original. They're just harmless fun. You know, like they're just so fun. Kids can watch them. Adults can watch them. There's no crass humor. There's no like, it's just harmless fun and it that you do feel good watching them colin you're, you're totally right there and yeah joe go ahead and watch 2016 make your own decisions don't don't let us tell you how to think watch them you figure it out you know ghostbusters is fun stuff so yeah i know. mean if you if you like them you like them if you don't you don't i'm not gonna hold it against you and and don't eat papa john's <laughs> don't eat papa john's and unless you like papa it john's. and then eat it um <laughs> i do like it you know i'm about as interested in seeing the 2016 movie as i am in seeing the new movie that's coming out, which is yeah. to say not that interested, but if you like them, more power to you. I can agree with that. Um, Bustin makes me feel good. That's I'm going to say it, guys. Bustin? It does. It makes me it's feel good. It's always made me feel good. All right, normies. Thanks for listening. That's it for us. Thanks for listening. It's been your host. Should we power it up one more time, guys? Colin! Michael! Joe! Ghostbusters! Ooh. Oh, oh okay. no, we're crossing streams! <laughs> ah! I'm too terrified to process rational thought. Uh, Valentine's Day. Sorry, Bummer. I was thinking about marshmallows. Oh, hell yeah. This is Aquaman, and if you enjoyed that episode, I'd really appreciate it if you give it a like, share, and subscribe on iTunes, and you'd really be one of my man if you share with a friend. We'll be seeing you around. I'm not kidding. I like the Ray Parker Jr. song better than the movie, and I really like the part where he just keeps going, I ain't afraid of no ghost. Oh, the song's great. I ain't afraid of no ghost. It's like somebody's like, Ray, are you afraid of ghosts? Ray, are you afraid, I ain't afraid, of, afraid of no ghosts? Ray, are you afraid of ghosts? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is, ghosts? I feel like the remix from the second one kind of um, oh. it doesn't have the same magic as the, as the first. No one. No song Fallout ever written Boy or... has the same magic as the original Ghostbusters <laughs> no. theme song. True. Well, except the you know Huey Lewis in the news song that he stole the riff from. Like, but it's <laughs> better oh, yeah. than oh, the yeah. Huey he got Lewis sued song. like crazy. <laughs> yeah, he makes he makes Ray Parker Jr. makes no money off of the Ghostbusters song, and instead it all goes to Huey Lewis. It's great. Yeah. Well, then I think Huey. Lewis I mean, it's did, essentially when it's I hear Vanilla is, Ice before Vanilla Ice. Right. I think Huey Lewis sued, got the money, but wasn't supposed to disclose the amount. Then in an interview, disclosed the amount, and then he got sued. And then oh. it was like a double reverse. The rare reverse card. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very good. he fell yeah. for his trap card. It he crossed the streams. Shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The revenue There's stream says it were. says, um, um, what, what will happen? Oh, your, you know, your molecules will go inside out. Time will stop for you and everything will blah, blah, blah. And you'll die. Total a polarital reversal. It just says like some like garbage. <laughs> You're like, yeah. Oh, yeah so that, sure. that would be bad then.
As a duly designated representative of the city, county, and state of New York, I order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension.